What's going on, everybody? It's Monday, July 18th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily here on 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Nick Costco, and today we have a very intriguing episode for you going over the Big Ten quarterback rankings, my personal Big Ten quarterback rankings going into 2022. It's a brand new season. I'm eager to start this once again, my second straight year doing these rankings week after week. But going into the preseason, there's a definitive set of rankings right now, and I'm going to welcome in my co-host of the College Football Daily, Lance Glenn, to help me debate this set of rankings between all 14 quarterbacks. Lance, thanks for joining me today, man. I know we're both more of a, the Big Ten aficionados in this network, of course, but there's a clear set of rankings that I have listed, 1 through 14. I'm going to reel them off right now, and just goes straight down the line. Obviously, we know who's number one. It's C.J. Stroud, Ohio State quarterback. He's a Heisman contender this fall. Following him, it's going to be Aiden O'Connell, Purdue, Maryland's Taliga Tagovailoa, uh, Michigan State's Peyton Thorne, Sean Clifford of Penn State, Cade McNamara of Michigan, and then Casey Thompson of Nebraska are one through seven. And then going eight to 14, it's Tanner Morgan of Minnesota, Connor Bazelak, the transfer from Missouri. He starts for Indiana this year. Graham Mertz of Wisconsin, Spencer Petrus of Iowa, and then Noah Vedro of Rutgers, Tommy DeVito of Illinois, and of course, Ryan Holinsky of Northwestern. So that's my list. And I have a, I mean, I have my clear fearing, feelings on it, but I know you are here to basically rip my rankings to shreds, at least in some spots. <laughs> no, not to rip them to shreds. Uh, I, I pretty much agree with your rankings. And, and again, thanks for having me on. I pretty much agree with, with most of your rankings. I do have a couple little movements and little changes I would make here and there. Uh, but overall, I, I thought it was a really good list. Um, obviously, it shows how good the Big Ten is when it comes to quarterbacks, how uh, much better they are this year, especially with some teams upgrading like a Nebraska or an Indiana. Uh, so it, it'll definitely be a fun season nonetheless. And again, I'm not I'm not going to rip your rankings, but a few changes here and there, um, I, I think I definitely have an argument for. Oh, absolutely. And before we get to those changes, obviously, we, we could talk about C.J. Stroud all day long, but we know he's a Heisman favorite. Um, he's going to be in the running with uh, Alabama's Bryce Young among the top two, at least in terms of the quarterbacks. They're going to be in the running for that trophy at the end of the season. But one thing that's very fascinating to me is the Michigan quarterback situation, which, you know, without any type of insight right now to that training camp battle at the moment, but we know how close it is between the returning starter, Cade McNamara, and of course, the former top prospect, J.J. McCarthy, who did see some playing time last year, obviously had a touchdown in the Big Ten championship game as well. You know, he's been pegged as the future under Jim Harbaugh, but he has yet to clearly beat out McNamara throughout the preseason, but of course that could change once fall camp rolls around and of course once September rolls around, but that's why I kept Cade McNamara in the rankings. He's very solid to me. Some people have already criticized me for having him maybe a little bit too low at number six, but I have a feeling J.J. McCarthy would be actually higher on this list should he grab the starting spot, but, but then again, I do like Cade McNamara. He's very solid last year. I mean, heck, starting quarterback of a team that won the Big Ten and ended up getting to the college football playoff, but that's why I kept McNamara in at number six, but what say you on Michigan's quarterback situation? I like Cade McNamara. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a quarterback you can obviously win games with, as Michigan showed, winning the Big Ten title, beating Ohio State, getting to the playoff last season, but the thing with Cade McNamara is, or the thing with J.J. McCarthy, I should say, is everyone's kind of waiting to see how big of a jump he took this offseason, right? Because if J.J. McCarthy took a big enough jump and is at least at the level of Cade McNamara, you'd think that Jim Harbaugh would start him because like you said, he's the future at Michigan. And this is no offense to Cade McNamara. You know, if Cade McNamara decides to transfer elsewhere or yeah, I don't know if he has one more year of eligibility left, but if JJ McCarthy does become the guy at some point this season, Cade McNamara would, would find a home for sure if he did have any years remaining. But 
Michigan needs J.J. McCarthy to be successful with the way their recruiting is going in 2023 for quarterbacks, missing out on Dante Moore and missing out on C.J. Carr in 2024. Quarterback recruiting has not been great for Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines since they landed McCarthy a couple years ago. So he's the future at Michigan. They need him at some point this season, I think, to take the job because, look, we're in the era of transfer portal. And if J.J. McCarthy doesn't win it this season at all and is still in that sort of backup platoon role, I don't think it would be very surprising if at the end of the year, regardless of what Michigan does, he he may decide to enter the portal. You never know what's going to happen with Michigan's quarterback situation. And it's interesting that you mentioned that the recruiting failures, I mean, I guess you want to call them failures, or at least the misses from Jim Harbaugh on the quarterback uh, front in terms of recruiting for the future, that might indicate how much or how high they are on J.J. McCarthy. But again, that's just my educated guess right there. And I personally like McCarthy and what he can bring to the table, just that we didn't get to see him as much last year because, again, he didn't beat out McNamara fully as a true freshman, which is to be expected in some in, in some uh, aspects, of course. But going into this year, I think we're still going to see a heavy dose of both of them. And if it comes, if push comes to shove where they're both playing so much, I might have to modify my rankings and put Cade McNamara slash J.J. McCarthy and make him a package deal because I don't think any other Big Ten team is going to have a situation like that necessarily where you're going to have a big rotation of two quarterbacks it's going to be this guy's the starter or if he's not good enough we're going to pull him and we're going to put in our backup i think really michigan's the they're they're, they're the outlier in, in terms of these rankings when it comes to that type of uh, that type of situation yeah and i think they're the biggest quarterback competition i would say to watch this offseason heading into heading into training camp prior to the start of the season in september you know it's assumed to be as in your list uh cade mcnamara the guy moving forward but Again, if McCarthy is able to take the next step enough this offseason, I don't think it would surprise many if by game three, game four, J.J. McCarthy is that guy. Again, he clearly has to show the coaching staff that that he takes the next step, that he could be the one moving forward. But if he does, you know, I think they wouldn't wait to go to J.J. McCarthy. They would hone in on, on him being the guy moving forward and make him the quarterback of the future. So as I'm looking at my list, I know there's one guy who you're pretty high on compared to me where I have him in the middle of the tier right now, and that's Casey Thompson of Nebraska. He's a transfer from Texas. Now, he's very solid at Texas last year, but of course, we all know about the Longhorns quarterback situation last year, and now, of course, they you know they, they get Quinn Ewers. So Texas is obviously not in the Big Ten, but they clearly upgrade, at least in terms of what can happen down the line. And of course, they they, they, you know, they grab Arch Manning uh, in the class of 2023 as well. But Casey Thompson, very intriguing prospect. I do like him, Lance, but my problem is he's switching conferences. He's going to see better defenses in my mind. And of course, when you're playing at Nebraska, you're going against the Wisconsin. You're going against the Iowa. It's like those defenses are not going to be too kind to Casey Thompson, who is a dual threat quarterback. But I feel like he could be maybe a slight upgrade over Adrian Martinez, which Scott Frost had in Nebraska over the past few years. Perhaps if he cuts down the turnovers where Martinez struggled over the past couple of years, he might move up this list. But right now, I have to keep him basically dead center at number seven. Yeah, so I, I really like Casey Thompson. And I think Nebraska is bringing a big upgrade um, over Adrian Martinez. And look, Casey Thompson, in my opinion, I, I was writing down a few notes as we were discussing some quarterbacks to talk about. And look, Casey Thompson, first and foremost, he was not the reason Texas went five and seven last year. They had a whole host of problems outside of Casey Thompson as to why they, they couldn't hold the lead. The offensive line play was really bad. And again, it shows Casey Thompson's ability to put up the numbers that he did, even with the offensive line play at times being being horrible. I mean, to, to, to say the very least. And, you know, I was looking at Casey Thompson and, and you know, his stats just 
looking at them as numbers don't really tell the whole story because obviously there were times during the season where he was splitting time with Hudson Card. Obviously, there was a quarterback competition for last year, him and Hudson Card. Hudson Card actually ended up winning the job, but Casey Thompson ended up taking over by the end of the season. And there was a four-game stretch of last year where they split time. And in that four-game stretch, Thompson went a combined 15 for 33 and only threw for 129 yards with one touchdown. So that was a four-game stretch for Texas right there. And the other eight games, he threw for almost 2,000 yards at 1984. So essentially he threw for the 2,000 yards in eight games with 23 touchdowns and nine picks. So if you just look at Texas season, if it was just Casey Thompson and Hudson Card wasn't in the picture, didn't play any games, if Casey Thompson just played all 12 games, let's say in those four games that they split, if Casey Thompson were to have thrown for his average last season in those four games, which was 175 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. If he does that in each of those four games, he would have finished with 2,700 yards, 31 touchdowns and 13 interceptions. And, and I think if that were the case, we'd be having a very different conversation about him because his numbers first and foremost would look a lot better. You know, 2,700 yards, 31 touchdowns, 13 picks. Maybe you want to cut down on the picks a little bit, but when you throw for 30 plus touchdowns, that's great. So I think his stats are kind of skewed negatively by the fact that he did split time in some games last year for Texas with Hudson Card. I mean, it's a good point. And the fact that you use projections and if you, extra, if you extrapolate that over a full a full course of a season, he could go higher. I just happen to have him right in the middle because I'm not, not that I'm unsure. I know, I know of his talent, but it's a new spot. He obviously could be very good in Nebraska's offense under Scott Frost. But when you look at Cade McNamara and what he did last year, I'm still high on Sean Clifford of Penn State as well. Then, of course, the top four to me are indistinguishable. You know, you have C.J. Stroud, number one, Aiden O'Connell, followed by Taulia, Tagovailoa, and then Peyton Thorne. Whatever order, two to two to four, you know, that, that that's clearly up for debate as well. But those top four are clear cut above the rest as well. You have another gripe with my rankings, and that's Tanner Morgan of Minnesota. <laughs> but we're going to get into that after we take a, a quick and short break right here on the College Football Daily. Don't go away. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. So Lance, your other gripe with my list happens to be Tanner Morgan of Minnesota. Now, Minnesota is very weird. Okay, I talk, you know, I, when I talked to PJ Fleck the other month, I mean, he, he seemed rejuvenated. He seemed re-energized after a 2021 season that was very up and down, but they had some high notes towards the end of the year. It seems like, at least to me, Minnesota is going to recapture that 2019 magic. Because 2020, throw it out the window for everybody. 2021, you saw highs. You saw lows, i.e. that Bowling Green game, and then the highs again towards the end of the year. I feel like Minnesota is once again a dark horse in the Big Ten West. I think Tanner Morgan is good. He just hasn't been as good since he was in 2019. But does get Muhammad Ibrahim back in the backfield. He's a running back that could have went to the NFL, but once he got hurt last year, decided to come back as well. Morgan decided to come back as well. So you have a very veteran offense under P.J. Fleck. 
I'm not putting Morgan into my top seven or even my top six or top five. He's right at number eight for me right now, so still right in the middle of the conference. But maybe it's me, but I think I'm banking more on, on his potential to bounce back and perhaps be as good, if not better, than his 2019 version. See, I, in your rankings, would flip him with Basilak. You have Morgan at eight, you have Basilak nine. I'd probably flip them. And, you know, you brought up 2020, and that was obviously a year that everyone, analyst, fan, broadcaster, whoever, you know, they say, throw 2020 away. Wait, what was 2020? But what if 2020 revealed who someone really was, right? Like, obviously the hope is with Kirk Shiraka back as offensive coordinator. That's when Tanner Morgan really succeeded back in 2019. Shiraka's back. You hope that obviously he could find that 2019 magic. But you look at Morgan, he was just, he was downright bad at times last year. You know, he only threw for 200 yards twice, both times barely, 209 versus Nebraska, 205 in that first game against Ohio State. You brought up Mo Ibrahim, which obviously was a big loss, but you know, it's not like they weren't able to run the ball. They still averaged almost 200 yards a game rushing. So it's not like all the pressure once Ibrahim got hurt was then on Tanner Morgan. They still had a really good run game, did the Gophers. He only once ever in his career threw for a completion percentage over 60%. And of course, that was in 2019. Has it come close to that? So, you know, the the question is, okay, you throw 2020 away by, by so many people. It was looked at as an outlier year for so many. But what if for Morgan, 2019 was the outlier for Morgan and 2020 and 2021 were more of the quarterback he is. Now, I'm not saying he's a horrible quarterback. You can't win with Tanner Morgan. You obviously can. And I'm, a try- I'm not trying to pile onto him, but he's at best, in my opinion, a lower middle of the big 10 quarterback. You know, if the middle is considered five through 10 and you have him in that five through 10 range, I'd still probably flip him with Basilak and move Morgan to nine, move Basilak to eight. Cause I frankly just like Basilak a little bit better and thought he performed better last year against better defenses in the SEC. But, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of just nitpicking here and there, but Morgan, I, I think we could be seeing a guy who's closer to the 2020, 2021 version in 2022 than we are seeing a guy closer to the 2019 version. And, and that's not great for Minnesota. It certainly is possible. I think that's where we just have to agree to disagree. I, I feel like he's, he is going to bounce back here in 2022. So I'll leave you here with this one, Lance. And of course, uh, be sure to follow Lance on Twitter and of course, follow us on Twitter as well. There are a couple guys on this list right here. Okay. If there's Aiden O'Connell, who I think is really good. Now he's clearly a top four guy, but Again, interchangeable. Peyton Thorne, clearly a top four guy in this conference, but could be number two, could be number three. The two guys I want to single out here are Taulia Tagovailoa of Maryland, who I have very high at number three. Now, some people think that might be too high for him or just right where he needs to be. He's, I mean, I, I think he actually is one of the best quarterbacks in the conference based mm-hmm. on what he's shown. Now, again, he can be very erratic and he, he, he can go from looking like the best quarterback in the conference all the way down to what are we looking at here? And then there's Graham Mertz from Wisconsin, who I have at number 10. So Tagaloa at number three, Mertz from Wisconsin at number 10. Now, Mertz, remember, everyone remembers 2020, the very first game of 2020. He goes off those, what, one incompletion, looks like the second coming of, I mean, Tom Brady, I guess, we'll, we'll just call him. He looks phenomenal. He gets hit with COVID, he misses a couple games, struggles when he comes back, and then last year just was not the same at all. Sands maybe a game against uh, our, our alma mater, Rutgers, of course. But, you know, you, but you look at Grant Mertz, like he, he showed some potential to get back to where he was in that great game. But that's all he has. And I feel like I'm getting more criticized because I have him lower than people might want him. Maybe that's the Wisconsin fan base coming after me, but I'm not totally sure. But to me, Mertz has to show something more than what he's shown over the last Almost two years. Again, Sands won game with with Wisconsin. Again, don't forget, that was 2020, first game of the year, Friday night against Illinois. So we're not talking about a world beater here. No offense to Illinois, but Graham Mertz to me, that's why he's stuck at number 10 for me. And again, I, I'm high on Tagovailoa because he can just, you know, the, the, the stats speak for themselves. Yeah. He can really, really light it up. And I feel like he's the sole reason why that Maryland team has a chance to 
get back to a bowl game this year, and maybe even pull off a few surprises in the Big Ten East as well. But again, if he turns it over a lot in a, about a two or three game stretch, he can plummet. But that's why he's high, and that's why I have Mertz low right now. Regarding Tagovailoa, I really like him. You know, I spoke with Mike Loxley uh, a couple months ago, and Loxley says he's looking as good as he ever has. And the one thing you got to look at with Tagovailoa is that yes, he threw I think eleven or twelve interceptions last year, five of which came in the one game at home for Maryland against Iowa. It was a night game. They ended up losing Dante Demas in that game as well to a season-ending injury. So it was just a horrible game for the Terps all around. They ended up getting blown, I think, like 51 to 14 or whatever. It was just a, a brutal game for Maryland. But the rest of the season, he only threw six. I think he threw like two against Ohio State too, a game in which they lost. So if you take away those seven in the remaining 10 games, he only threw like four interceptions. And, and he has a great arm. He can move. I wouldn't necessarily call him such a, a runner necessarily. He can use his legs for sure. Uh, has that dual threat ability to get out of the pocket and extend plays. But he has a great arm, absolutely. And I'm really high on, on him this season for Maryland. You know, like you said, if Maryland Maryland had anyone else on this list lower than him, I don't think this team would even be sniffing a bowl game. And, and that's no offense to, to what Maryland has, but Talia Tagovailoa ups their ability and ups their talent so much and, and really makes the playmakers around him so much better. And, and they have recruited well at the receiver position. They have Jacob Copeland from Florida. They obviously got Rakeem Jarrett a couple of years ago, but just what Talia Tagovailoa can do with his legs, with his arm, it really makes Maryland, their offense specifically, a lot better. And regarding Graham Mertz, I think he finished the season a lot better than he started. Obviously, he did have that one game that one game against Illinois two years ago that kind of really put him on the map. He was Wisconsin's, I think, highest rated quarterback recruit ever. They need him to do more this season than he did for most of last year. But to be honest with you, Nick, when I was going through the list, and especially with Tanner Morgan, I know I said to flip him and Bazelak, but I was thinking, do you flip Morgan and Mertz too? And maybe I'm just an anti-Tanner Morgan guy, but I think <laughs> Mertz's potential and, and his ability and what he showed at the end of the season is better than what Tanner Morgan is going to do. So I, I like Mertz. Again, he needs to to show it and show it more consistently throughout the year. Um, but if he does, I think that can really help take Wisconsin to another level in the Big Ten West. He certainly has the potential to get back to where he was. And you mentioned the end of the 2021 season where he had a pretty good stretch. You know, maybe that that was a sign for things to come. But you know, he's got a lot of room to grow. At least according to my rankings. You know, this is not the final rankings of the year, of course, you know, there's going to be more. We'll rehash it before, right before the season starts. And of course, I'll provide them week by week on 247sports.com. He is Lance Glenn. I am Nick Costco. Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube page for 24-7 Sports. Be sure to download, of course, the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter and other social media platforms. Once again, I'm Nick Costco saying so long. You've been listening to the College Football Daily. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats.